Hello, Mr. Spears. Hey, hey, what's up? Wow, that was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's an omen. It is an omen. Well, it was a um, it was kind of an anticlimactic week after a uh, weekend after having so many um, interesting uh, racing issues. <laughs> The last uh, month or so. Um, yeah, it was like every week something crazy. This was the first week where it really wasn't nuts. Yeah, it kind of uh, makes us fish a little bit this week <laughs> to come up with topics. <laughs> I mean, of course, there's always oh, there's first. always topics. <laughs> like. Uh, what are those things called? Uh, they come out every the cicadas, right? That oh, one? cicadas, yeah, cicadas, man. yeah, yeah. Like the cicadas, some guy named Juan yesterday appeared back at Gulfstream off of a like eleven or twelve year layoff and <laughs> started scoring with horses at about. Didn't he win two? Yeah, he won right? two, and second in another, correct? Yeah, yeah. He's he's on fire, bro. The layoff did him guy, good. The guy came off the layoff, firing. His horses got fed off the board. You know, just a typical weekend at Gulfstream, I guess. No Gulfstream slander. Uh, I'm sorry, but man, things <laughs> like that just happen. To, 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 just they just happen there more than they happen other places. I, I would. I'm telling you, I could walk down the backstretch. At Gulfstream, about two or three weeks apart, and maybe twenty percent of the people are people I don't recognize from the previous two weeks. Seriously, I don't know where guys come from. Like you see these names that just pop up, and I have no idea where they came from. I have no idea where they've been. And a lot of times they'll they'll be here for a little while, and all of a sudden they're gone. Maybe that's what I should do. What just uh, become a uh, a guy that keeps track of the beard trainers? Right. Hmm? Be a, I have a book, like a black book. The black book, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of interesting yesterday. Bob Baffert had a horse die. Everybody freaked out. Sounds like pneumonia. I'm not sure why it's such a big deal, but, you know, it's Bob Baffert, so it's a big deal. Um, well, I think I think the big deal was the, the press release from the, the CHRB where they were like, yeah, we're not going to suspend him. And, oh, by the way, <laughs> a well, two-year-old died. No one, uh, he ha- he has not been suspended by any um, racing commissions. I mean, right. That's why I thought that statement was kind of bizarre. Churchill Downs and Naira are, are not racing commissions. They're they're track operators. Yeah, you know, it's private property um, clause that they're they're using to exclude Mr. Baffert for the time being. So yeah, I'm not sure why the California Racing Board felt the need, but you know, the California Racing Board is. An inept group of people. I mean, they, they're like literally uh, one of the worst government bodies in the history of government bodies. And that's pretty difficult to do in this this <laughs> day and age where ineptness is is all about us. But yeah, it was kind of an odd to to mention that we're not going to suspend the guy. Well, did someone like I, I don't know? Did was someone formally ask them to? I would say probably yes. <laughs> Who I don't know, but it was like you said, it was just kind of out of nowhere because that was never 
really talked about no. until they made that statement. Listen, the point's been made, and it's a valid point, that both Churchill and Belmont, uh, or Saratoga, Naira, it's easy for them, not easy, but it's easier for them to make that call because he doesn't really run there very much. He doesn't stable in New York, and, and he doesn't uh, run very much at Churchill outside of, um, you know, Derby Week and, and then, you know, selected big races. So for them, it's a little different um, situation than it would be for uh, Santa Anita and or Del Mar. Um, yeah, but I, I guess, you know, you could also look at it as, at least for Naira, well, I guess Churchill, too, he comes there and gets all the money. I mean, he comes in and wins the big races. What was what year was it? It was like two or three years ago where he just won everything on uh, Belmont Stakes Day. Like literally everything. It was last year, wasn't it? Year more spirit one. I think it was uh there was it was like four or five horses that won grade one, grade twos on that card, and he just swept it. And, and it, yeah, yeah, all by open lengths too. Well, I mean, before uh, a month ago, like it didn't seem the tracks didn't like that. They seemed to encourage that kind of. Thing. Well, that's how I felt that day watching that. You know, it was like they wanted that to happen. You know, in the way it was touted and you know reported afterwards, it was like that was a great thing that we just saw. You know. Now, looking back and a little bit of hindsight, it's like, well, what was it that we actually saw? <laughs> you know, about 15 years ago, I stopped really thinking in terms of like with trainers winning a lot of races. It's great because it's not great. It's not a big deal. It's not nearly the big deal. It would have been had it been 30 years ago when a trainer had 40 or 50 horses at most. They're supposed to win all these races. And yes, yeah, sometimes Baffert that day in particular, um, but you know what? There was a day twenty five years ago. Shug won a like a bunch, yeah, five on on like Breeders' Cup preview day, and you know it happens. Certainly, it happens. But um, yeah, I mean the days of uh, oh, you know, he's won this race seventeen times. Well, like how many times has he had the favorite for it? <laughs> All but one, <laughs> right? I mean the Haskells, right? Yeah, uh, and I'm, it's not to to say that. Well, it's easy to do that, but it's just gotten to be where, um, you know, these 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 feats of strength just aren't aren't as quite as impressive as. Uh, I mean, listen, nothing is ever going to be as impressive as Woody Stevens winning the Belmont five years in a row. I really just don't know how like anybody could could match that. It just seems, you know, it's like Dimaggio's streak, right? I mean. To win the Belmont five years in a row, I mean, five different horses. That's that's uh, that's something that probably won't be done. And when it wasn't like Woody Stevens had two hundred horses at his disposable uh, disposal either. I mean, no, we're talking that's still the era of you know forty forty five horses. So you figure, I don't know, I don't know what his barn breakdown was, but maybe the third to you know or maybe a half were, were Colts. So, you know, 25 horses, 25, 30 Colts a year. He won the Belmont five years in a row. Now that is an achievement. Yes, third. 
But yeah, it was kind of bizarre that they they made a statement that they weren't going to suspend someone because, especially someone that hadn't really done anything in that state. So, you know, or at least hasn't done in that state for a while or a couple months. But um, yeah, I, mean, I I think there were some lingering questions as to what they were going to do. But I mean, I think we kind of figured that out early that they were just going to kind of punt and just say, all right, we're just going to wait for everything to shake out with these, uh, the split sample and all that nonsense that's going on in Kentucky. So, I mean, it was kind of expected. Um, I'm not sure why they, they felt compelled to give a statement on it, but I guess somebody was pressuring them to, to put something out there. I guess. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's just not, you know, I mean, I'm still, I'll be honest, I, I'm still kind of shocked that Naira did it. I really... Uh, it was a layup, though. I mean, it wasn't like they went... Yeah, it, it was, but it wasn't, I mean, I and guess... And it was a lot easier after like we, the... We've, we've never really... Seen, not really into that, but... We, we've never really seen this happen, right? I mean, they had a chance to... When when uh, Laurel and, and uh, the Maryland Jockey Club tossed Wayne Potts, you know, Naira went out of its way to not, uh, do that. <laughs> to not throw him out, you know. So um, that was kind of – it's hard to believe we're in a world where Wayne Potts has got more juice than Naira than Bob Baffert, but uh, not literally. But, um, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? It's just, it's just a little bit – it's just a little bit odd, but uh, I don't know. It's just every – um, I mean, it's gotten to the point now where, where the Baffert hate has gotten a little over the top. And I'm not defending him, but I'm just saying, just, let's just, you know. Let it play out. It's going to work see, itself out. In the right, right. See what the split sample comes back. Go from there. And, I mean, listen, he's probably going to lawyer up to the, to the end of, uh, you know, until he has no more legal remedies possible. Which of course never makes anyone happy, but um, I mean that's been his pattern forever. So I, I don't think that they're going to change. And, uh, so it seems at this point there's not a lot that can happen. Um, Probably not until next year. Well, there's not a lot that can happen that can repair his image. Right, that's already damaged. Yeah, and and a lot of it is is, is his own doing. right self-inflicted. <laughs> you know, going on that media tour was not that a that, that media tour was yeah that was a that was, yeah. that was rough man was he didn't do himself any favors with that listen man is this is america it people is love to see people get chopped down but they give they also love to be uh you know to play the the judge and, and jury and and if you throw yourself um, with with some real remorse, you know, you throw yourself onto the the floor and 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 beg for forgiveness. <laughs> You're guilty. <laughs> you know, you usually get it though. Yep. Yeah. You usually get it. I mean, and he just never has has. I mean, he literally never has has shown that at all. I I kind of felt he was going that direction before he kind of zipped it. You know. Without saying it, 
or being that blunt about it. I think he was going that direction. Yeah, and, and listen, man, I gotta be honest. <clears throat> it's a tough situation to be. Has to be Barry Irwin's point, and like I said, I don't always agree with Barry, but Barry's points are very are, are very valid in that he's gotten the pass on everything forever. So why wouldn't he just think this was going to be one bigger pass? Obviously, the Kentucky Derby is a different animal, but when you get away with you know you get out of things time and time and time and time and time and time again. Uh, you know, this is this is like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, the car's crashed, and how are you gonna fix it? Uh, this one, I don't think he can fix. So, well, I mean, like you said, because of his own doing, because if he didn't really go out on that media tour and just you know kind of really lawyered up at that point and said, "Hey, we're gonna send this out for a split sample," and you know, just for hypothetically, just it comes back negative. You know, it's like, you, you know, you really can't say much at that point to him. It's like, yeah, you can't say anything. You know, the thing is, though, Barry, is, is it, it comes back negative? Like, nobody's going oh, to nobody's believe it. Everybody's going to believe You're right. that, that, that it was a big, you know, they got to them or it was cover up or this. Right. Or I mean, all kinds of nonsense will be flying around the Internet. So, yeah, I'm a little tired of talking. I'm a little tired of talking about it, but I mean, I it's in the news. Yeah. Uh, My tryout is, is on uh, Wednesday, I think. Really? Yeah, my tryout. Yeah. Which one? Um, My Monmouth Jockey tryout. Are you going to make it? I think so. Did they tell you it had to be under 200? I'm just right under that. You know, if they had a really, 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 really good jumper race. Oh, I'd be golden. And it was like a, a handicap and, and the horse got like 178 pounds. You'd only be like 30 over. Oh, I could make that. Give me two weeks. Done. I need my I need my driver, my harness driver license first. Yeah. I need that first. Yeah. Yeah. We got it one thing at a time. <laughs> Your amateur driver's license. That's right. Me and, and uh, me and Mariana going head to head. Mariana Monaco, man, she's a she's a multi-sport athlete. She definitely is. Um. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen with this mama thing, but one of the, some of the stuff that Dennis Drazen was talking on Steve Big Show today is a little bit nuts. Yeah, it was out there. I, I heard it. I, I listened. And, like uh, Dennis, just 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 chill, man. We know it's not your fault that the New Jersey Racing Commission is is full of retards, but you know, like to to say that they're going to um, listen. Technically, the jockeys is a jockeys guild is a guild. It's not a union. They can't call strikes. Blah blah blah. But it's never gonna go. There, it's never gonna be a legal matter. It number one, it's as matter of safety. The Jockeys Guild is suing the commission over this. So the the the, the idea that that uh, oh, Joe Bravo is gonna get in trouble 
Oh, <laughs> does he told jockeys not to ride there? Something like this. Number one, who the hell listens to Joe Bravo? Number two, I do. they're all independent contractors. What they do is what they do. You know, they're not in a union. Half the guys that are, that'll be riding at Mammoth are probably aren't even in the guild. They probably don't want to pay the eight bucks a mount or whatever it is. It's eight dollars a mount. Wow. Something, you know, I don't know something. Gotta listen to Joe Bravo. He was in a rap video. He was. That is very true. Rick Ross. But I mean, I get it. I, I guess. I guess he, he kind of took it personally. It sounded like it. Like he took it personally. Like he wanted to clear his name and then kind of throw Joe Bravo's name out there, <laughs> which I, I found was kind of bizarre because you know, I'm sure jockeys were talking amongst each other way before you know, this has come to this point. So, I mean, like you said, they're not a union or anything like that. It's not like they have to go. They're independent contractors. They can go wherever they want. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not, I mean, it's, 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 there's, like I said, there's, there's zero chance. There's a better chance of me riding this weekend at Monmouth than a, than a jockey getting. I wouldn't rule it out, to be honest. I've seen you ride. Yeah. (laughs) The gate's an issue. (laughs) <laughs> not really good out of the gate hit my head on the, the roof but at the... <laughs> uh, but um it, it'll be interesting at the very least it, i thought it was funny they said they had 16 names and i'm thinking yes of the 16 how many have you heard of <laughs> how many have won more than 10 races this year um they should, they should get nick bush out there Nick Bush would be the best rider there. I was going to say, he'd probably win all the races. <laughs> and everybody would ride him. I think Nick's going to have to go on a little bit of a diet, though. Yeah, Nick likes to eat steaks. Yeah. Well, you only got a couple days of racing, though, so you got four or five days in between. Yeah, you can burn that off. All right. Maybe if he, if he, if he walked from Lexington to, uh, to Monmouth, he could, he could be fit enough by the time. I don't know. I'm going to have to talk to him. Because then I can convince him to go, and I'll take his book, and then we'd win everything. There you go. I, why didn't I think of this sooner? You know what you could do? You could get your, your amateur driver's license, and you could drive at the Meadowlands. Right, or Freehold. We can go to Freehold. Friday night. Friday night. Yeah, man. Freehold in the day? Yeah. On the dark days? Stacks. Ten bands a day. I like this plan. I do. And you you can you can kind of be our agent, so you get a piece of that too, man. I, I just don't want Dennis Drazen to sue me. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> oh man! I had Daniel, I had Daniel Wallach on a couple of weeks ago talking about the the absolute positive like. You know, I talk bad about politicians, but the truth of the matter is they almost all deserve Look what they did in Florida. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know what's going on, bro. Well, uh, someone uh, put uh, a story out there today that they finally kind of figured out that the 15-mile rule in this gaming compact in Florida, uh, two places uh, that have been kind of maneuvering to try to get a casino for a long time 
happened to fall just past the 15 mile mark. One of which is <laughs> like, this literally like uh, Miss Mr. Trump's Doral uh, Resort, which now seems to be able to qualify to have a casino. Um, I mean, it was like. It might go down as one of the single worst um, pieces of legislation ever. If it gets struck down, if the sports gaming, the mobile sports gaming gets struck down in federal court and you have to drive to the, the, the reservation to make a sports bet in the state of Florida, you're talking about losing tens of billions of dollars of revenue. Yeah, like where's, where's a guy like me going to go for that? Exactly. I, I, that's what I'm, I mean. I'm two hours. I'm two hours from the Hard Rock in Tampa. What about people in Pensacola or Jacksonville or? I was or, gonna say Key West or Jacksonville or, you know, isn't. Uh, it isn't uh, Native American run, right? No. So I'd have to the the closest one from there would up north would be in Tallahassee, correct? I, and I don't even know. I don't even know what they have there. That, that, that's, uh, <clears throat> I don't think they that have qual- that qualifies. I don't know. I, the only one I know qualifies for sure is the is the location in Hollywood. Right, and then that's three hours. Where the Hard Rock is. <laughs> that's three hours for me. That's what I mean, it's going it's, south. It, it's like ninety. Might as well not have it. <laughs> ninety-five to ninety-eight percent of the sports betting in the other states, the legal sports betting, is done uh, via the internet or, or you know. Um, you know, not, not in person. I mean, I don't understand how it's so hard to figure out. I mean, literally, they could just create an app like tomorrow. No, they have. They're going to do that. But the problem is that, according to Wallach, and you can't use it. Is is that um, it's going to get struck down a federal court, and if it gets struck down a federal court, because it seems to be in violation of the Indian Gaming Act, because you know they're trying to pull a fast one by having. Uh, by, by saying that where the server is, when the bet comes through the server, as long as the server is on tribal lands, then that bet is actually made on tribal lands. And apparently, again, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but there's three or four cases, including one where a Supreme Court judge, a current Supreme Court judge, wrote the ruling against that that being you know possible. So uh, just so- Using man. it's very, it's very, very difficult to, um, you know, to poly- the the more political types uh, get involved in our business, the worse it, the worse it is. It's just it's just it's gotten worse and worse. Like they virtually never help. It's almost always they're almost always causing a ruckus. <laughs> Like one of my ex-girlfriends, always causing a scene when it's not necessary. Ex, that's what her ex is. That's right. The problem is we can't make the politicians exes. <laughs> well, we can kind of, but not, I know, but the, not the next, not quickly. But the, the the next ones generally, you know, are much are better than the first old. ones. Yeah, <laughs> I remember the politicians are all working for the same team, and it ain't themselves. Yeah, <clears throat> but. Well, maybe maybe we can convince the politicians to make Hialeah run thoroughbred races. You know, the decoupling just like, not that it was going to happen. It, it was probably, 
it was, there was probably about a 2% chance that that was ever going to happen again. And and honestly, it really would be great to, to just run a couple, even if we just ran. Even if it's a, a couple weeks or something. I said, even if we could do like a Keeneland style, you know, couple weeks in the spring, couple weeks in the fall, it would be so great to go there, but it's just not going to happen. Dude, I'd, I'd take vacation and stay down there for the whole time and go every day. Yeah, I know. I blame you and I blame Pete Aiello, both of you. It's partially the fact that Pete Aiello was was like the last ever announcer there. He had the Pope Mobile he used to call the races from. I know. They couldn't go upstairs. I guess it was condemned or the stairs didn't work or the elevator didn't work. So they, they created like a little pulp mobile for Pete to call the race. The last time I was there, I went with my friend Troy. We went on Christmas Eve. This has got to be the last year they had like legitimate quarter horses there. Um, <laughs> and both gates broke down. And they only made uh, three races. and uh, Both starting gates broke down. And they were literally the only track open that day. They were going to do so much in handle. It was like a Monday, too. It was like a, it was like a really slow day. And they were literally the only track in America open. I think uh, uh, Commandante in Puerto oh, Rico. Oh, down in Puerto Rico. Yep. yep. They were the only two tracks running. And, uh, and Hialeah wound up having gate malfunction. They switched gates, and the second gate didn't work either. <laughs> We did get some good Cuban food. They had really good corn. This this corn on the cob thing, man, it was like great. I still think. Oh, with the cheese and roast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the grill, yeah. oh, man, good corn or whatever. Oh yeah, dog. That's 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 nice. Listen, it's worth driving down there for that. When do tracks have the best food? I don't know. When I was a kid, um, and uh, we used to, I, well, back then we we lived in Trenton, Jersey, mm-hmm. and my grandmother lives in Brooklyn. We used to go visit on the weekends, and then end up at either Belmont or Aqueduct, depending on what time of year it was. Um, I remember as a kid, the best thing I ever ate. And any kind of sports venue was a knish at Belmont Park. And that's not even, you know, that's not even like as far as stadium arena type food. Right, right. High on the list, but it was it was my favorite thing. I used to use the they used to have those big things like the little gallon type things with the push on the top to get the golden spicy mustard out. Used to split open the top, fill it up with the mustard, and I was going to town, bro. I remember you know, like it was yesterday. They used to Harry M. Stevens used to be the um, yes, the, and they the, had the the they used to do it at the Giant Stadium too. Yeah, yep. Uh, I remember they had the clam uh, the clam chowder bar at Saratoga. Oh my god, bro! Yeah, you know the Keeneland Kitchen. Uh, it's it's kind of overrated. I mean, people talk about oh, breakfast in the kitchen. 
but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a big breakfast person because anything I can get out at breakfast, I could probably make in, myself. In the grandstand <laughs> at the fairgrounds, they used to make some some really good. Um, uh, what's that stuff called? I don't know. One of those, one of those Cajun dishes, crawfish, gumbo, bay, gumbo. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like five bucks. Oh, the Saratoga. They used to have, like, this is off center, but over by the replay machine, they used to have the Chinese restaurant or Chinese food. I used to love that. <laughs> and the Chinese food by the it's probably replay. like the worst thing at the track, but it was it was good to me. You remember the old replay center where they had where you had to put like a, a request in, and they had to yes, like, and they, somebody was behind there putting yeah, tape yeah. In the machine. And they had to, they had to like fast forward, and <laughs> they had. They had um, the old tapes, you know, the old VCR. Yeah, the VHS. Yeah. Yep. That was, you used to have to put like your requests for the race, the race number. And, right. And it'd take them a couple minutes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> and they tell you what, what, uh, what monitor it would be on. Just, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You'll be on <laughs> seven, buddy. <laughs> Coming up. Uh, Man, I used to go early. I used to, I used to drive. Head on too. <laughs> I used to drive from Massachusetts. It was like a three hour drive from where I lived. And I'd get there, I'd leave at like seven or eight in the morning, get there at 11, right when the gates opened and, and try to, you know, go over to the replay machine or the replay booth or whatever you want to call it. So that, so I could see all the replays I wanted to see, man, it's crazy. Steve Bick used to, used to make an Italian beef sandwich. Really? Yeah. And in, in the back, in the backyard of Saratoga before they, Work up, shut down. No hibachis. No. Um, yeah, Dennis Drazen. You're not letting people have picnics out, out anymore. Oh, you can't bring outside food. Come on, Drazen. We should sue you for that. People used to, I, I remember my friends used to get get a bunch of people and they bring food in and they, they, they barbecued, you know, down by like the top of the stretch. Now, now, oh, we can't bring any food in. Come on. Come on, man. Such bullshit. You know, I'll tell you what, the best food ever. The best food I probably had at a racetrack was with Hong Kong. And they put out some spread on uh, the day of the, the races, the big races there. Oh, can't believe I still, I should still have the gout. I eat so many lobsters. I don't know. Tito's, Tito's at Gulfstream, those Big ass shrimp cocktails are kind of dope. Except we gotta pay for them. Yeah, it's like it's like a hundred bucks, but whatever. <laughs> it's always better when it's free. <laughs> Just hit a race. You got it. You got that. Aqueduct used to have the beef patties, Jamaican beef. Oh man, yes. Remember when Aqueduct used to? I, I, one of my fondest memories of aqueduct was <laughs> when it was in the winter time and the the wind just used to whip around there and just close those doors shut yeah yeah <laughs> bang 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 yeah i tell you what i have, I have had my, my brain has kind of um locked away some of those memories of walking back and forth from the backside to to the front side you know you walk around that clubhouse turn and mm. <laughs> that wind would be whipping and whew, man, it'd be cold. Brisk. Brisk is right. And that is true. And I'm talking about the old grandstand too, not the new one. 
or what they deem as the new one. And they had all those doors, just a line of doors. Oh, man. Yeah, the good old days when people used to be at the track. I happened to be at a, a track this weekend. Oh, yeah. One of my favorites. And, you know, they were very... Um, stingy with letting the number of people in, but there still seemed like there was a big crowd. I, I was at Arlington this weekend. And... Uh, there was a lot of people there. Now, they weren't letting anyone in the paddock area. I have no idea why. I was going to say, why? It was outside, and I think you <clears throat> better served spreading the people out. But a lot of times, these decisions aren't even made by the tractor. Decisions made by the local health officials who are, you know, like the people in Canada who are morons. <laughs> like the lady that decided that the health minister that decided that horse racing was not an outdoor sport. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's just sometimes it's hard. It's hard to believe that these are things that people say. Bet you that casino was open there. Uh, I don't even. I don't know what's going on up there. I feel bad for the people there because it seems like they're they're just. Uh, I thought they were going to go in June. Right? There's been a oh, series of, of bad decisions. Yeah, supposedly June 12th or 18th. And still, it's a month away. They're ready to go, you know, and it's it's just uh, there's nowhere else in the world having this issue with horse racing. And, and the fact is they proved they could do it and do it safely. They did it already. They did. They were doing it. Exactly. That's that's again, it's just like the earlier point. You, the government gets more and more involved and things get more and more screwed up. Arlington, Arlington. Is like is a great one of the cleanest facilities ever. It really is. It's it's really such a nice track. To think that it's going to be, um, you know, torn down because of because these creepy people bought a, a percentage of some shitty casino in Elgin. I mean. It just kind of burns my ass when I see the Churchill people cheering and racing is not dead and oh, it's all great, how wonderful it is at Churchill Downs. Which, you know, looks like it was a nice crowd and all that. But you're the same people that, that doomed Hollywood Park. You're the same people that tried to doom Ellis Park. You're the same people that tried to doom at, uh, Hoosier Park. You're the same people who, who killed Calder. You're the same people who are trying to kill Arlington. You're like a, it's, it's like a serial killer operation except we're supposed to cheer to them. And, you know, no one doesn't want racing to, to succeed wherever it's at. And it's nice to see that, uh, you know, they have nice cards on Saturday nights and people get, uh, you know, dressed up like stupid yeah. cowboys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, go to the races and they seem to bet pretty good. But that doesn't mean like right. It doesn't erase everything else. <laughs> yeah, and I and I know it's not the people that are saying these things that have anything to do with those other things. But you collect the paycheck from them. And I don't know. Maybe listen. Uh, it's to me. It's it's just 
it's just a little bit disingenuous when I walk around Arlington Park and I see the trainers that have been there for years and the people that have been there for years and the, the fans and the guys I knew from the time I was there that are, are, are just kind of everyone's in shock that they just can't believe that they're going to do this uh, and that they wouldn't sell to um, someone who would try to keep it as a racing track. Though there are a lot of issues with that. I mean, uh, I could write a check for $350 million out of the Going in Circles uh, podcast fund. Oh, because we got it. We definitely have that. Um, we could own the track, but all the issues that exist there still exist fact that it's poly track which inexplicably people in south florida somehow seem to think that people want to race on that and they uh they don't um the fact that the, the horse population is down overall makes it harder to attract people to race uh for purses that are are less than stellar on a track that a lot of people don't really like and um, you know, the Illinois bed program itself has been, uh, you know, pared down so much that, you know, even 10 years ago, there was a lot more Illinois breads and a little more Illinois bread races that you could uh, count on to help fill your cards. And those are, are kind of, uh, you know, they're kind of gone by the wayside as well. So. You know, for regional tracks, the, these state-bred programs are important. They are important to help, um, you know, fill the races and have some competitive races. So the, all the problems exist, still exist, even without Churchill Downs owning that track. But a lot of those problems existed because of them. And when they're selling T-shirts that are kind of like um, cheerleading, oh, it's the final season. Like you caused the final season, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like that, it'd be like it'd be like selling T-shirts for for your divorce, you know, outside the courthouse steps, you know. Yeah, that's kind of, I didn't know that. Uh, it's it's just kind of like you know, unseemly. And again, it's not like uh, the people that work there want that to happen. The people that are working for Churchill there, because hey, they're they're. I don't know that they're all going to re- remain employed. Some of them got people who've worked there for years. I talked to a couple of the guys um, in the grandstand who, who've worked there for years and years and years. And one guy told me he'd worked there since 1985. Wow. You know, and, and like they're, they're all crushed and they're all hoping that there's going to be some kind of miracle. But, um, you know, I, I just, they need help from the politicians. They need help from the politicians. And that's a long shot. And, and and time's running out. Time is running out. So, I don't know. I don't know. I thought FanDuel, I said maybe someone should contact FanDuel. Not that they're not aware of the situation, but. FanDuel is TVG, man. Well, they, they own Fairmont Park now. I know. And maybe that was just the in they wanted to get in in, in the sports betting uh, arena in that state. I don't think they paid a whole hell of a lot for it. Now remember, they, they've got they've got something like two point eight billion dollars cash on hand, so it's not as though uh, I think they paid somewhere like 
twenty million dollars or something like that for That's Fairmont and all this stuff. But um, Trump change. You know, they, they have the the wherewithal. But I mean, uh, who knows what they're plans on doing and and you know like you can't ask someone to put 350 million dollars or 300 million or 200 million or whatever the hell it's going to cost and, and not expect to make some sort of profit but and i found out that, and this is information that i had known that breaking news that uh, on the going circles podcast apparently the the casino construction at hawthorne has halted and has been halted for a little bit, uh, a couple months, I guess. The word I, 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 I received yesterday, which I, yeah, I don't really I know. I seeing pictures of it, and it was coming along, but I didn't know yeah. it was uh, on pause. <laughs> yeah, that that's what I was told now. Um, from a you know a, a source that would be a reliable source that I have no idea why they wouldn't. Uh, or why would tell me something that is false, but um, yeah, that, I don't, I don't know if there's some sort of technicality or some issue or because I, I don't know, but uh, because Hawthorne's is going to be basically the last man standing in the Chicago land area, and there you have to run trotters too. I think, uh, I think, literally half their dates. So, um. You know, Hawthorne does get the slots, and I mean uh, they'll they'll do better, but it's hard to have. Uh, where where do the guys from Arlington go? You know, where do they go? Oh, such a great facility, man. <clears throat> no, and and uh, there's. You know, we've talked about it before. There, there's definitely a horse shortage, and it's going to get worse. Yeah, it's not going to get better. Definitely saw that this weekend. When we see the final numbers for this year with foals, um, I'm sure it's going to be a drop because you know we remember the COVID hit right in the March, you know, right around second week of March, and I wouldn't be surprised if some people made breeding decisions not to breed their mares last year. Um, just because of the uncertainty of you know wh- where the world was. Yeah, I, I mean, from a business standpoint, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so uh, the less mares, you know, less folds, and we're seeing we're seeing this already. I mean, you're seeing the effects of of uh, the horse shortage already. I mean, I saw Mammoth was trying, was hoping to run fourteen race cards on, on Saturdays and Sundays, and then no six way. or seven on Fridays. And Delaware is open, I think, next week or is this this week or next week. And um, I mean, Maryland's racing at Pimlico for an extended period of time because Laurel's all screwed up. And Colonial's opening. Colonial's <laughs> opening in July. You got Parks; it's, it's still open. Mammoth is open. Um, you know, New York. I, I don't know where all the horses are going to. I don't know. And then you have a 25 horse pick five out in uh, California. So, <laughs> yeah. Our friend, Mr. Pylons, was going off about that. And ITP. 
He's right as usual. I mean, he's not wrong. No. <clears throat> His message sometimes can be a little bit harsh. Yeah, but he'll it, never he'll never be a politician because his his his, uh, <laughs> his delivery is a little too strong. But um, but it, I mean, but I understand the frustration. I mean, it's it's right in everybody's face, and it's like yeah. if you're not seeing it, then you're intentionally ignoring it, and that's I think where where a lot of his frustration comes from. And I I get it because it's like well. You know, how are we going to address these problems? Nobody's even talking about them. True. Like uh, the vaunted uh, first bet artificial intelligence, which used 17 of the 25 runners in the big four or big five, excuse me. You know, like it's almost guaranteeing that. Uh, and I don't, I don't think they would have hit it anyways. They it paid good too. It paid good. Yeah. Yeah. Got a bunch of bombs, but it's not just there; it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Well, one thing I will say, and I've thought this for a long time, but you know, it's one of those far-fetched sniper dreams where we could have one major circuit run a card at night every weekend. But that would be a lot of coordination and timing that this industry just doesn't have. You know what I mean? Like if I I remember, I don't know if this is still in the works, but I doubt it. Um, Lights at Belmont. I thought that was a thing. I guess it went away. I thought that was part of the deal with the uh, the Islanders arena there. But clearly that's not going to happen. But, I mean, it would be nice to have one major circuit, California, Kentucky, Florida, whatever, run a night card <laughs> every weekend. <laughs> one of them. Not everybody. I don't, I don't know why Golden Gate doesn't do it. Not that they're really amazing. I know. I, I mean, I thought that was the greatest thing when they when they actually were forced to do it. It was like twisting their arm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then they wouldn't be competing with anybody, or not many, not as many people. Look at look how good Canterbury's done by moving off the weekends, right? And the, some of their night cards and the weekdays are doing great. Grants pass. Grants pass, baby. Bet Grants Undefeated. Pass. Nah, I blew one the other day. Oh. Streak is over. Streak is over. It was bound to happen eventually. You know what? It's my fault for betting quarter horse races. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like an Oregon bread court quarter horse race going 330 yards to screw up your undefeated streak. <laughs> but uh, yeah it's uh, some so, somehow or another all of a sudden innovation is uh, you know dark horse and artificial intelligence and this and that it, it's like nobody freaking gets it man it's like they're all stupid people 
the people that you want to attract aren't just going to push a button and have this. They're basically, you know what artificial intelligence for first bet is and, and this dark horse thing for the, the Canadians is? It's just electronic tip sheets. Right. Oh, yep. we'll, we'll, we'll tell you how, we'll show you how to bet. We'll do this, we'll do that. Then why do we need to do, why handicap? And, and well, I think stuff. that I think the premise might be is to make it more like a slot machine. Exactly, but the slot machine people aren't coming here, and they never will come here because they're <laughs> stupid. And stupid people want to bet a stupid freaking slot machine. It's not going to work. Why would you go and try to be like slot machines if you already have slot machines? It's like yeah. roulette. Why would people bet roulette with this stupid racing thing when they could just go bet regular roulette? Hmm. you're trying to replace something that it already exists you're not replacing it you're, you're giving people a lesser version of it oh racing's too complicated bullshit yeah i hate that argument that that upsets me every time i see somebody say it it's a crock of shit from from people who are just collecting Believe me, there's a lot of people in this business just collecting paychecks. And a lot of them are collecting paychecks that are far above what they should be collecting. And they know if they get out of racing that they're going to be screwed. But even then, you would think that they would listen and they would want to do things like better. But they all come up with the same stupid ideas. Oh, we'll make it easier to bet. No, it's not the point. No, It's not about betting easier. Well, I mean, just... Think about my story. I mean, I learned to, to handicap and read the racing form at eight years old. Exactly. Eight. That's, that's most of us. Right. So, I mean, that's why that argument that it's too difficult and time-consuming, blah, 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 doesn't hold any water. My daughter can read the racing form. It's too difficult for people who are too stupid to, 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 to do it. If people are stupid, they're not going to be good customers in this business because they'll never win. You have to win sometimes. We get that like very few people are coming out ahead in the end. But most people are also not playing this at, like it's their job. No. It's, they it's, do it for fun. They try, make, types. they try to make scores. They try to beat the races. They try to uh, – it's, it's an intellectual challenge. Like they're just – you're promoting – Freaking electronic tips. Oh, we have a hundred different ways and it calculates it. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I mean, come on. Sounds fancy. That's all. It's, it's a crock of shit. Using Equibase numbers. You might, you might as well just use, uh, what's that thing? The we. <laughs> I might try that, actually. It's they just don't understand. Like, if you want. The, to, to impress the people who are for, coming there for the first time, they're not going to be like actual, like real life, you know, people who, who try to do this, like and get it uh, and want to learn about it and understand it. Just get them a tip sheet. Same shit. Lawton. Give them Lawton. Clocker freaking Lawton was doing this a uh, hundred years ago. But that's My what, what passes for innovation in this business. That's what passes for innovation. That's innovative. For 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 you that yourself instead of teaching people how to properly structure bets, I'll push the we'll we'll do it for you. 
Here's a question. Your kid's homework. Well, how's your kid ever going to learn? How? How? Here's a question. <clears throat> Do they have any kind of handicapping seminars at, at Gulfstream? If I haven't they heard did, of them. Who would give them that would know anything about betting? Anybody? You get you get Ron Nick to do that. Ron Nick doesn't know about betting. Ron Nick knows about picking four horses in a race. Nah, he's all right. No, he's not. No offense, Ron. But listen, some people are are good at teaching. Some people aren't. Yeah, I I can see that. But Acacia or Ashley. If I, if you had a hundred thousand dollars and you had to give it to one of those two to invest. Would you rather do that or would you rather just set it on fire? Ugh. I wouldn't set it on fire. You need, you would be by giving it to them. You need to hire people that are smart, that know, that understand gambling. So there's nobody in the South Florida area that could do this? Nobody that's currently employed. <sighs> Seriously. I could do it. You're not in South Florida. I could drive if they pay me. No? There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I'd make that drive for that. <laughs> but the whole point is this, and it's not like, uh, I don't mean to just like ITP those people, but they don't really know anything about gambling. They don't know about odds. They don't know about uh, probabilities. They just know how to, how to fill out tickets. There's a difference. There's a big difference. It's It's about using horses to the it's not about hitting the ticket it's about hitting the right tickets if you just bet favorites every race well you'll probably cash more but the whole point that the the way races are presented and and what they're we're telling people to do and the advice we're giving them isn't helping them be winning players and that's the whole itp theme right that's you're just problem. telling people how to try to cash tickets and and by keeping track of this bullshit who gives a shit uh this guy oh this guy's got sir 17 picks on top who cares right 17 how... picks on top and 12 of them were odds on horses that that you could have just got by picking the favorite what difference does it make what are they really telling people what are you really doing nothing Tony Romo and these guys have shown that people want more technical analysis. They want to know what's going on. The people that that currently do these shows are are not being uh, asked to really do that. In some cases, they are. Like the MIG will explain things from uh, a jockey's point of view. But the other handicapping, they're just giving their opinion based upon a lot of times, just based upon what's in the program or in the forum. How is that really giving anyone anything from the inside? They're just giving their version of the same thing that you can look at yourself. Right. It's, it's, it's like those, those write-ups they have, you know, those pre-race write-ups they have in the post-parade. <laughs> Back in the day, it just says, you know, top barn, you know, Hot trainer, hot jockey. That's the one we're going with, you know. <clears throat> and there's no nuance to it. It's just generic information. Exactly. It's game, the game of That's the whole point. Thing. In that, in that they, what, what, and, and I understand. Listen, I understand <clears throat> that the on-air talent 
is doing what they're being told to do. I get it. I get that. I understand that. So I'm not saying that they're the one driving the, 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 the train or not. TVG is a perfect example of that. Like why they make these guys put these ridiculous tickets in. And, and um, it, it just like, I don't know anyone that's ever followed one of those tickets, but. Oh, they're out there, bro. But they're not putting the tickets in. Uh, oh, it's a $32 ticket or $62 <clears throat> ticket. Well, well, you know, sometimes it might call for a $700 ticket. Might Sometimes it might call for a, a $12 ticket. Sometimes, you know, it, it just is. Why do we care? Why do I care what, what, what Ron Ellis, you know, thinks about the pick three? He has no expertise in gambling. He's a horse trainer. I'd like to hear his thoughts on the horses. I, I don't really think uh, I, I care about his, you know, who he likes, who, who he's going to bet on or how he's going to structure his ticket. I mean, some of the, the ticket structuring on the, the vaunted Fox Sports show has been, like, abysmally bad. And I know this because people t- t- screenshot me. I don't actually watch it. But some of the chalk eating just gets to be, like, ludicrous. You know, the other day, there was a, a, a talking head guy that used the one the two shot. First time starter. And, and then after the horse finished off the board, tried to justify that it was a good, it was a good bet. A first time starter won the two. Secretariat finished off the board first time out too. Farrell lost. So I mean, it's it's like uh, this is this is the point I'm trying to make. When you were a public handicapper, right, and and you were putting your picks in the paper, well, they had to be in probably by I don't know the night before or the day before. So you didn't know what the weather was. You know, you, you were guessing on the weather. You were guessing on scratches, like a, a Russ Harris type person, right? Mm-hmm. So they're making you pick every. Every race, pick three, and then I guess put a saver, a fourth for the super, the whatever. I mean that 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 was a different ball. It was a different era. It was a different ball game. You know, it was it was. Um, these days things are, are are so much different, but the mentality has not changed that much. I mean, I see guys giving out three horses in races that have five horses in it. They're giving out 60% of the field. And then after the race, if the horse, you know, wins, they go, oh, well, we had it. We had 60% of the horses in the race. I mean, that's not really helping people. So here's a question. Do you think that it is a conscious effort by the powers that be that make them do this? Or is I it think they- the powers that be think the betters are stupid. I really do. I think like so, so. If if for example, any of the talking heads that we watch or see, if they just went on a limb and, and actually put out a smart ticket, you think that anybody would care? Other than I, the people that are, are knowledgeable enough to stand it. No, I, I think that you need to, to. To there's people out there that want to learn the right way. And I, I listen. You and I have had this conversation. I think the way we cover races is is archaic. And I think it's silly. And I think that, um, I, I, again, I think it, 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 it's, it harkens back to an era where there was a whole lot more dumb money and a whole lot more $2 betters and a whole lot more people that didn't even have uh, a form or a program or any PPs in front of them. And they counted on 
the person to tell them to help them. I don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, and especially with the, the amount of free PPs that are given out now. That if you don't have PPs in front of you, then you're not trying. Yeah, you're guessing. <laughs> and, and, and like, you know, how long are those people going to be customers? That's my question. Is yeah. that you, you, you need, uh, I mean, they, listen, they racetracks and, 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 and ADWs bend over backwards for their quote-unquote best customers, right? The biggest ones, the whales and, and the computer betters. They give them guys everything they want. But the point is that we've, you know, I'm trying to make that, that I know a lot of other people have tried to make before me is that if everybody's smart, there's no dumb money, then eventually everything will just, you know, the law of diminishing returns. If you have a pick three and you pay, you, you play, there's, there's short prices in all three races and you play a ticket with all three rates, three short prices, unless it's one ticket, you know, one straight bang, 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 chalk, chalk, chalk. But even then it's, it's probably going to pay less than it should because, you know, everyone who puts a damn ticket in there is going to have those three in there. So it's, it's just, you know, you have to have, um, like me, I, I don't bet every race. And I'm not saying I'm a great better. I'm not. That's probably the weakest part of, of, <laughs> of my game by far. How many times have I given the horses that, that want to pay $17 and, and I blew it because I, I tried, <laughs> you know, I tried to hit the pick four or you know what I mean? Like, no, I know I've been there. Um, I've done see, that I, a lot. So that, I, I get that, but you know, and I've, I've consciously tried to become a better, better and use, uh, you know, better, not use tickets that just are, are, are losing plays. Tickets that are losing plays are tickets that are going to be tremendously undervalued, especially, especially <laughs> if you don't, if you have a strong feeling against like one of those favorites. I am not a person that believes that you should use a, a short priced horse. Just because they're a short price horse, if you don't like them, then throw them out. If they beat you, they beat you. Right. And that that's one of the things. Like, I think I've said this before on on another podcast or whatever, where you know, there's one thing as a better, you have to understand that, you know, you you can concede. It's okay to lose, and you can concede certain payoffs by not playing certain horses. That's not a loss, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like the way I look at it and the way my mentality is when I when I play the races is, okay, well, if this comes chalk, 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 chalk in the pick four, I'm not going to have it. And I don't want to have it. That's oh. not going to make any money. So, you know, there's combinations within those, you know, just speaking about the pick four, that you can give away and not miss a beat. Because, A, you're probably going to shrink your ticket to the point where it's not really going to affect you as much as it would if you included those horses to the, to the point where you can almost lose money by hitting it. So, you know, mentality, it's, it, I have to be honest, it, it took me a while to get there, but understanding those kind of concepts, if I would have done that earlier, I might have won more money later. So, you know, it, it's just, you know, a, a matter of theory. And, and one question I always have is with 
racing is this is the age of information. You can you can definitely understand that as a whole, as a, as a culture, American society, what have you. Why don't we treat racing as such? I've always had that question because, you know, there's a ton of information out there. Why do we have to treat it like we have to dumb it down to the lowest common denominator every time? It makes no sense to me at all. It's, it's, it's pretty counterintuitive, it, it, you know, the way I see it. It's just, I don't, I don't understand why. I don't think I ever will, other than the fact that it seems like racing is running on a model from the 1960s that they are trying to do in 2021. Ashley can definitely teach people how to bet properly at Gulfstream. Yeah, no, I definitely understand she could. She, she has a degree in mathematics. She's smart. She could do it. Um, I, I just I agree with you, though. I, I, it bothers me because I think that uh, management of racetracks and uh, has gotten this view that the computer guys and the whales are the only smart guys betting in the pool and everybody else is stupid. And we're just going to try to get more sheep and feed them to the to the wolves. And, and it, it, they may pretend like that's not the truth, but that's kind of the truth. Man, I wish I knew. You know, I, I wish I could hear somebody talk about their perspective like a racing official or not yeah. official, but, uh, you know, so an executive talk about this. They don't see, get it. It, well, I'd like to see the depth of their knowledge on, on this kind of subject, because it, it seems as if they don't want, like you said, you know, they're just a bunch of, they really don't care. And what I happens, just, happens I, I just don't that think number, they, they hit that number they want to see. I, I think some ways they, they, they long for, an audience that's already gone. They want to capture that, that new money that that's, you know, the dumb money, the people that bet slots that um, it's just not going to come back. I mean, why would you bet something? Why would you take the facsimile of something when you can have the real thing? And the $2 better the, the average two that like my grandmother, right? She used to bet blindly at OTB. I had no idea what the hell she was talking about, but she would she would bet, and she had an account, and she might be you know her handle was maybe ten dollars a day, <laughs> and you know, but she would bet every day, literally every day. She would always bet. She had the OTB channel on all the time, and she'd be listening. And, but uh, there was a lot of people like that back then, but they're they're gone. They're they're not. They don't have the, those people don't exist anymore for the most part. So why not try to Attract smart people. There's lots of guys. I know lots of guys. Um, I'm in these like nerdy baseball leagues, right? I hate to even admit this, but <laughs> we, we play these baseball seasons, and, and they're they're complete. They're they're made up players. They're all statistical. Um, it's all based on data. It's all data based things. We draft guys and do all this stuff. So and it's all computerized, and and it's all you know, younger to to middle aged guys, <clears throat> and dramatic. It's kind of like Stratomatic, a little more complicated, but those are the perfect people to like try to, um, to try to market to, to try to get involved in the game because the data is what is what um, attracts them. But I don't think that having an app where you just uh, that does it all for you. I don't think that's 
That's not a challenge. How is that a challenge? No, it's not it's like, you know, we already know it's not the attractor to the game. I mean, I was attracted to the game because of the puzzle. Right, exactly. And you're putting together a puzzle and, and like they want to skip a spot here. You know, they want to skip um, the they want to just get the guy and then, well, maybe if we do this, he can win a little bit here and get him hooked that way. But I don't think it's, it's a. I don't. I just. I just don't agree with that line of thinking. Um, and I just never have. I, I just think that the people. Well, it seems lazy. And well, the other problem I think, and, and this is a problem that's been um, exposed to me via social media, is that there's guys out there that just aren't willing to pay the jockey club's price for the data. That uh, you know they monopolize the data. And they want to they want to try their own systems. They want to set their own stuff up, and they're just not willing to spend the money it takes um, to to experiment. It's very very expensive, and they're not very nice. Huh. You know, I mean, uh, cease and desist, and and uh, you know, like like Robert's communication. Try to, uh, the guy's on Twitch trying to teach people how to handicap and how to bet. And, you know, next thing you know, the guy's threatening them with a federal court suit, you know. Guy got 16 people following him trying to teach, trying to educate people. You know, people who would become customers. Right. I mean, okay, let's just say that they were giving up something by having that guy do that. I mean, they would get it back in return <laughs> at some point because, you know, you got 16 new customers or, you know, yeah, it's just, like you said, a lot of legal nonsense and posturing for no reason. I, I say this, and, and I, honestly, I hate this. I hate to say this. I hate to say this. But I just don't think even now, the, the racetracks really understand their customers, and there's a gigantic. Well, that's pretty clear evidence that, uh, to, to suggest that that's true. It's pretty clear they don't. I mean, and and honestly, this is probably um, the era that the customer has the greatest ability to communicate <clears throat> their displeasure with racing, and that you've seen some of the backlash against jackpot bets. Have you know seemed like they've they've made some progress in some places, but um, I just keep going back to. <laughs> I'm sure I left, but I just keep going back to what Gabe did at Pompano. And to me, there's a guy that understands the customer, that understands the 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 needs of the customer, maybe more than the customer understands them themselves, and he was able to. Um by force of sheer force of personality and um, strategy and making things, you know, not trying to put a square peg into a round hole. And it it worked. I mean, it it really worked Um, without, uh, without purse money, without good drivers for the most part, without top horses, you know, like all the things that people think you need to drive handle. And it just was like a, sh- 
showing people how to do it. And yet, you know, some of the things have been adapted out there. Uh, I mean, the free programs, I mean, they didn't, they weren't the first ones to do it, but um, that certainly got them a lot. Uh, put it this way, when they were, they were uh, promoting free programs, free programs, free programs, free programs, all of a sudden, a lot of other tracks started doing it too. So, yeah. you know. Well, I guess I guess my thing is, but it's, it's like it it showed you the the template and the 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 strategies to try to do this properly, yet you still don't see that happening all that much. So you know, places like Canterbury should should be commended for trying different things and having low takeout wagers and um, not that everything's perfect, but I mean, they're going to be rewarded for it. Well, I, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily blame the executives and people that run the tracks for not knowing, um, you know, the, the customer base and, and no, what I, drives I it. I mean, what, is it, what excuse do they have? Well, they should know them or they them should hire someone that knows them because, uh, I mean, what other business would that happen where your, your, your executives don't know your customers? I mean... I don't think that they have that intimate knowledge themselves, but hire someone that does. Right. That's where I was going. You know, it's okay if they didn't, if they're not completely well versed on how these things work and how, you know, the betters mentality is. But like you said, hire somebody that does. And it's not that difficult to figure out who knows what in this industry and why, you know, somebody has more knowledge than somebody else that's the part that's that's more alarming and that's what gives off that air of well we don't really care rather than the fact that they don't know i mean i get it you know they're, they're not really you know a lot of times they're running the business side of things and they don't really want to do all that research on their own but at least hire somebody that can that's the that's the major point and and that's that's like business one-on-one Right, right. You would think, but you know that they should know that at least if they're any good at what they do. That's numero uno. Well, everybody in charge I, has the help and people around them that know certain things better than they do, so they can tell them, "Hey, we need to do this. We can do this. These are our options." You know, so on and so forth. Well, and I think that leads into the other issue that we have, and that. Running a racetrack these days isn't just about racing. In a lot of ways, it's not about racing. It's not, right. And so it just becomes, a, you know, a technical issue with one portion of, of what they do. But I just have a hard time understanding why. It, it's just the same. I mean, everybody in this business is going nuts because, oh, man, handles up 10% across the board. But it's still like 150 below. less where it should be. Right. It's still below. And that's, that's you know, yeah, racing's not dead because Churchill had a nice car on Saturday night, except racing's going to be dead in Chicago. Racing's down to one track in L.A. Everybody's, ah, Chuck, ah, Chuck, you're, uh... yeah, well, I've been right about almost everything in the last 20 years. I called it, and no one wanted to listen. And honestly... It wasn't like a Nostradamus. It was plain no. as day. It was plain as day. Super trainers were eating up everyone else. 
And now everybody's like, oh, well, super tuners are a problem. Oh, yeah, exactly. But what are you going to do now? It's too late. You missed the opportunity because you ignored it. Oh, well, what are we going to do? Nothing we can do about it. We can't tell people who to send their horses to, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I mean, yeah. racing makes excuses for everything. Everything. All the economic downturn. Look at the stock market. Yeah, we had an economic, an economic downturn like 12 years ago, 13 years ago, right? What happened? Everything recovered. Except what, what didn't happen? What, what didn't recover? Horse racing. <clears throat> Why? All the reasons we talked about today. For years and years and years and years and years and years, racing had a monopoly. And they just had to open the doors. It didn't matter how badly you shit on the betters. It didn't matter how badly you, you ignored the owners and trainers. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Because you had a monopoly. And everybody wants to look at the positive side. Racing can have 27 negative things happen. And the two positives, and no one will talk about the other 27. Ah, you're too negative. If you don't talk about the negatives, you can't fix them. Look at all the time and money and energy we've wasted on Lasix and Whips. And that's only in the past year. And, and, and we still have people uh, on Twitter, like, insulting betters. Oh, betters. Uh, uh, like, all right, I'm a better, And I say, I don't want to bet on racing with the, the, this conducted without whips or under these rules. I don't like it, and I don't want to bet on it. And there are times, oh, now I got a couple guys on, on the thread saying, oh, well, betters are too stupid to know. It's going to even out in the end. No, it ain't going to even out. You know why? Because they ain't going to bet it. Oh, Handle was up in the Preakness. Yeah. Ask where the money came from. Ask where it came from. You're not going to get an answer. Well, that, you know, that it's really going to be glaring what happens on Friday with Mamas. And it's not even, it, Barry, it's not, that's not, I mean, that's just a, you know, either. yeah. It's not entirely true. Everybody wants to make it a one, uh, a one-off. You know, oh well, this didn't happen. It's not about that. It's about chipping Collect away, chipping away, chipping mm -hmm. away, chipping away, chipping away. And that's the thing is that you only get one chance in, in a lot of cases, you know. And maybe they'll do fine on Friday. Maybe they'll do fine on Saturday. But maybe they won't. And the point is that. We shouldn't be in this position. Right. Right. And everybody wants to say, oh, well, look, we did good this week. Oh, oh the Derby handle is up this, this year. Everything's good again. Everything's great again. Uh, Preakness was up. Belmont up. Belmont's up. Oh, oh, look, this was up. That was up. This was up. This was up. And then I got old Crunk out there who keeps producing this, the actual stats, the real stats, <laughs> the not real the real stats, the real stats. And they say basically, you know, this is all the reasons that, that you're being told really aren't all that accurate and yeah it's up a little bit but it's gonna level off and now we're comparing it to 2019 and he made a very good point today 2019 was kind of a down year as well because of all the issues that happened in Santa Anita that spring which you know racing apparently forgot <laughs> so to compare it to 2019 when it was down Field size is going down. I, I just, I just hate to be, 
I, I just hate to be the, the voice of, uh, you know, of reality sometimes. But No, but I mean, it's not like you're not telling the truth and it's not like it's not data driven. All this stuff is out there <laughs> for everyone to see pretty much. And the sad thing is that racing is a great sport. And it it's could a be a sport. But it's too ashamed of itself. It's too insulting to its customers. It doesn't give a shit about its owners. And, you know, the whole thing with the whole... Listen, this whole argument we've had in the national spotlight for the last month over picograms, that's stuff I've been talking about for 15 years, Barry. Nobody wanted to talk about it. It wasn't interesting. It wasn't a big deal to them. Now it is. It's the same shit. People don't want to talk about it because it's not that interesting. But in the end, those are the things that sink you. They make you or break you. Yeah, it's just a little mind-boggling that there's no effort to fix it. Or very minimal effort. Betters are saying they don't want to bet on races that have no whip rules or restrictive whip rules to the point where no one really knows what the hell's allowed, what's not allowed. And yet there's still people who persist in basically telling the betters that they're quote unquote wrong, that their opinion is wrong. That the, the, their desire to bet or not to bet is wrong. I, I just don't understand. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah, you're telling me what I should or shouldn't like. Oh, it'll it'll level out in the end. Bullshit. <laughs> it'll level out in the end. How do you know it'll level out in the end? I, I'm just sick of it. You know what? If you don't like horse racing, just stop fucking watching it. Just stop watching it. I'm sick of hearing about the PETA and about this, about that. You see what's going on? They've infected it. And, the, and, and, and these, these animal rights groups are, 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 are dirty. They're filth. But they found our weakness. Stupid people and politicians. The New Jersey Racing Commission actually put a statement out that they thought that the whip rules they put in would increase attendance, number one, who gives a shit about attendance. How? And handle. They actually said that it'll increase business. This is the world we live in. How could they be so wrong, though? I don't understand that. How could they be that far off? That's what I'm saying, Barry. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I know Twitter isn't good for much, but you you do kind of get a pulse of what you know the the core people, your 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 everyday customer. And what they feel about things is like. And I haven't seen anything positive about this whip rule in New Jersey. Not one thing. I see people kind of playing devil's advocate and saying, hey, well, maybe those times you won wasn't because the the jockeys were using the whip. Which is fair, I guess. Probably wrong. Probably wrong because it's like, well, why wouldn't you give the person? I can tell you this right now. Every jockey I've talked to, virtually everyone 
has said the same thing. It matters. It does matter. And they, I, may not, they may not go out in public and say it because you know, nobody wants to get beat in public. It matters. If it didn't matter, like uh, like all the people used to say, ah, oh, torture. Uh, we should outlaw torture because, you know, it doesn't work. If it didn't work, they would have stopped doing it a thousand years ago. <laughs> it works on some level. I'm not saying that uh, I'm for or against it, but I'm just saying this. When the people tell me something doesn't work, if it didn't work, it goes away. That's how it works in life. Things that don't work, they go away. They stop. They, 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 they're like the rotary phone. They go away. Life moves on. Everything moves on. Will racing move on? Maybe racing will move on. But maybe racing will just move on to, to extinction. In the end, it doesn't matter about all this bullshit. If there's no horses to, to, to bet on. Where is the incentive for people to own horses? <clears throat> it, it's not the horses decided they're not going to just breed each other anymore. It's supply and demand. If you're a person out there with all the stuff going on with horse racing in the last few years, like how do you encourage people to get involved? I mean, the only initiative that seems to have attracted any new money is the one that, that's probably the worst for the business and that's micro shares because all the money goes to, to the to people that already have all the money. <laughs> right. I mean, where, where else, uh, where else are we seeing growth? Who are all these new people buying horses? Where are they? And I know some guys are, are putting together really good, honest partnerships <clears throat> that are with, with guys that know what they're doing with trainers that are, non-super trainers uh i commend them uh, for for having enough um moxie and and uh and and just you know perseverance to keep it up and 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 to keep trying to get people involved in the business from an ownership standpoint um because it matters and i know there's always have the you know, the kind of a stupid argument that well, who's more important? It doesn't matter. Without betters, there's no racing. Without owners, there's no racing. So, I mean, everybody, you know, the other, the other part of that, 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 uh, that, that equation is the tracks. And that's really the enemy. The tracks are the enemy. The tracks are the ones that have done most of the things that have um, hurt this business. The tracks are the ones who took their eye off the ball. Their tracks are the ones who let a lot of the crap that goes on go on. The tracks are the ones who, who just stopped enforcing stall limits and then let trainers get, uh, some trainers get so big they just ate up everyone else. The tracks are the ones that, that write the races. The tracks are the ones that assign the stalls. The tracks are the ones that, that are interested in a lot of ways uh, other businesses and other um, areas that they're going into. And, and that's the thing is while everyone's arguing over the betters and the owners, no one's talking about the tracks. And I always think it's interesting when, whenever um, we're in one of these situations where the, the politicians are coming for our slot money, right? How come they only take the, hor the, 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 the horseman's slot money? Why don't they ever go after the tracks cut of it? Because the horseman 
and the ancillary businesses that support horsemen, we create a whole lot more jobs than the racetrack does. Racetrack doesn't employ all them grooms and hop walkers and feed people and tack people, and none of them work for the racetrack. I always assume they took credit for that kind of thing, even though they didn't. Shouldn't. They don't work for them. Now, lately, with with tracks on uh, skeleton crews, or for what, about a year, a little over a year, not, not having anybody in the grandstand, they, they they have even less employees. But why do they always just come for the horseman side of the... The tracks make a lot more money off the slot mon, slots than horsemen do. We still have to win it. I own a horse, and you train for me, and we get an infusion of slot money into the purses, we still have to win it. <laughs> the track, they make a lot more money than we do. So that's always kind of interesting to me, a little political you know, sidebar. Maybe they got better lobbyists, I guess, right? That's what I would figure. I said that in Pennsylvania. How come? How come parks? How come you don't have your parks? My parks is owned by a foreign corporation. Virtually ninety percent of the people operating at, at, at places like parks—not that parks is some wonderful place—but you know they're they're Pennsylvania residents for the most part. You want to take from them, but you want to get to the point. You know, I mean, it's just to me, it's. All these things that, that, that just go left unsaid and no one says anything about it. You know, I'd like to know, but never get that answer. Things kind of took a turn for the negative here today. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's tough when, you know, this whole year has been actually kind of a little bit rougher than last year, in a way. Well, last year was in the end um, you know racing showed a lot of the the great aspects of it the perseverance of racing and racing people to keep on keeping on on a daily basis to make you know to make the show go on and the people that kept uh, you know kept betting kept wagering on the, on it I mean yeah COVID was a nightmare for the whole world but uh, a lot of racing never stopped and even the places that did stop for a while, a lot of them got back. I mean, really, New Mexico is the only state that really has not recovered um, outside of a lot of the really, really small tracks. But, I mean, now Canada is kind of getting it. But, I mean, everything this year is self-induced. Self-induced. Though the whip rule at, uh, at Monmouth was, was voted upon last summer. One of the, actually one of my most downloaded shows was the special we did with Chris DiCarlo last uh, last August, I believe. Yeah, I was gonna say it wasn't too deep into. The and I still very I still have no idea how this is gonna be enforced. <laughs> they don't know either. I just would love to know what what, what is. 
what is the definition of using the whip for safety versus using the whip for quote unquote encouragement? I just am diametrically opposed to saying that we shouldn't encourage horses to run. I'm not saying we should beat them. No. But the, 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 the idea that, that encouragement is bad is just contrary to everything that horse racing has ever been built upon. Let me think. Is there anybody else we can piss off tonight? <laughs> I think we touched all the bases. And it's not personal. I mean, that's the thing. It's like everyone in this business, a lot of people who block people on Twitter, they take everything personally. It's just not even personal in a lot of ways. A lot of times, like I said, they're, they're, people are doing what they're being asked to do. Pressure comes from above. And, you know, people, how many times have we said it? People's first priority is staying employed. So... When they're told to do something, even if it doesn't make a lot of sense, that's what they do. Disagree with the boss enough, eventually you'll have a new boss. You won't have a boss. <laughs> um, I just find it funny that the tracks that kind of... Uh, and these are mostly non-mainstream you know, A-level tracks, but the ones that give people what they seem to want uh, are doing well. <laughs> You know, they're doing well. So why is this not becoming um, obvious to everyone else? And, and you know, racing is regional, and we get that. Like, we've talked about that a lot. What will work in one place? Like, what happened with the Strana Group trying to um, homogenize their racing programs just completely misinterpreted that Golden Gate and Santa Anita and Goldstream Park and Maryland Jockey Club tracks are in completely different situations and you just can't you know they're just totally different situations Maryland is in a, an area with a lot of other competition um, Gulfstream is, is an area with very little competition Gulfstream has a winter meet where they get a huge influx of horses of, of, of high profile horses and owners um, Southern California is the same old, same old year round. Golden Gate is, you know, it's a giant struggle to just get any horses. So, I mean, you have two, there are four uh, racing areas that are completely different. And you can't do the same thing from a racing standpoint. But the betting standpoint is different. A lot. (laughs) You can do a lot of the same things. Now, sure. Golden Gate versus Gulfstream. One's got an average field size of about six. And one's got an average field size of about nine. Uh, you know, thereabouts. Give me a little bit of literary license there. But you know what I'm saying. It's 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 obviously there's there's always going to be differences like that. But um, you just can't do it. You you know, like Southern California, they don't have a a Gulfstream's got a gigantic and enormous number of cheap turf horses. 
and people bet them. They bet them like crazy. They're competitive races. They're not good horses. They're not great races or anything, but they're big fields. And there's not usually big stickouts, two to five shots. Um, they don't have any of those type of horses in Southern California because you can't afford to keep them in training in Southern California. So, I mean, that alone, there's just so many differences between. And, and that's, that's something that, um, you know, they made an, an error in. And, it, <clears throat> and I, I personally don't think it had that big of a a role in the uh, all the horses breaking down there a couple of years ago. But it was a factor that, that was certainly brought up a lot. Well, New York's got a problem. They have... You know, they, they have... Um, at the top of the game, that there's only a couple of guys that have good horses. Yeah, last year, Saratoga wasn't wasn't that great considering and it's not getting better it's, no and and you know what they've done a lot of um you know the purses have increased and they're trying some of these programs and they have the uh the guys with 20 horses or less and it's not that they're not trying but just the sheer economics of operating in new york make it very very difficult to um to come to, to go there and I'm not going to be drawn into any kind of social conversations about wages, but the fact of the matter is that when you can operate in Kentucky for maybe two thirds of the expense and run for the same purses, um, where are you going to go? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like a no brainer. <laughs> and you're going to see over the next couple years and I don't know if the tracks are prepared for it. I don't know if they talk about it. I don't know if they just uh, you know they talk about it but they just don't want to talk about it publicly but you're going to see fewer and fewer and fewer horses and the consolidation is going to really uh, I think it's going to ramp up and I think you're going to see um, you know it become a big issue. I really do. I think that uh this business is going to continue to contract. It's been contracting for about 35 years, despite the, you know, sometimes you read stuff on uh, Facebook is really the worst, <laughs> but you know, people saying, Oh, there's way too much racing these days. And I'm thinking to myself, how <laughs> way too much racing. You know, we got California's can barely write 30 races a week. You know, Southern California it used to be six days a week. It can barely fill three. Right. I was going to say, Wednesdays are pretty much non-existent now. Uh, Arlington's running 16 races a week. Two-way race cards. Gulfstream. Gulfstream is going to eight race cards in the weekdays. <sighs> Too much racing. I don't know. I don't get it. No, it's... Racing has been contracting for a long, long time. But I think it might contract even more rapidly. And you know what will happen? Because just because racing contracts doesn't mean uh, betters contract. If there's one million people betting horse races and there's uh, 1,000 horse races and then the next year there's 700 horses, that doesn't mean that there's only uh, 
you know, 700,000 horse betters, there's still a million horse betters for the most part. Though you might lose some if, if, if different tracks or regions kind of fold or go under. You might lose some people who just kind of want to concentrate on their local track, but there's not that many people like that anymore because of uh, you know, the ability to bet literally anywhere. But people will, will try to tell you that, yeah, well, this is better because look, handles way up at this track and that track. And like Crunk is, is you know, identified and, and promoted um, the theory that the handle is, there's a ceiling and the handle just gets redistributed in different manners. It's not a lot of growth. It's, it's just, you know, cutting the pie up a little differently. But you won't hear that from, from racing because we have no central organization, not central commissioner, but central organization um, that promotes horse racing as a sport, as a business, as a uh, betting vehicle. We don't really have that. The NTRA should be that, but they really aren't. So, so, so here we are. Uh, Nick's played good, though. <laughs> it was so Nick like. Tease. Well, to be honest, when your best player plays as poorly as Randall played, the fact that you were still in the game at all really was kind of surprising. Bullock didn't really play well either. And Peyton no. something about Peyton. Just the listen. He only played eight minutes out of a forty-eight minute game. But, right. I don't understand why they but, even do but that. Those eight minutes were abysmal, and and he's just like you know, he's just not. He's his head isn't. I mean, he's just psyched out. And uh, oh, it's got to be a crazy coach thing because I I've seen coaches do that where they'll they'll start a guy every game that doesn't play a lot, and it's like, well, why are you starting him? Well, you know how some of the some of the coaches it's an ego thing. They don't want to admit they were wrong about you know people have been calling for him to be to be put on the second team or not play for months and months and months because uh, he's never played great this year, but his, his production has gone down so far that, um, you know, I mean. But it, they read the box just, it, they, just, see, they, they see the stats after the game and say, hey, he was a minus 10 in eight minutes. Why are we even playing him? It's, you know, it's, it's odd to have a guy that starts the, the, the half, the first, or, you know, starts the game and starts the half that only plays eight minutes. <laughs> you know, that's right. You that's usually see normal. that with big guys, though. You see it with big guys more than guards. Yeah, big guys get in foul trouble, right? I mean, you know, like, this is the point guard, you know, like, and I understand, like, you want to like keep some continuity to your rotations, and um, but when a guy is just getting murdered that badly, he's just not producing <laughs> any offense, and I mean. Listen, nobody was doing anything with Trey Young last night. He was just kind of shredding them. But, um, you know, when the refs call fouls, and 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 that's the thing, is a guy like Young is very difficult to defend when they're in the bonus because he's shifty and he's he's light. So when you bump into him, you're going to fall. He he doesn't even have to flop. You know, the guy weighs about a buck 60. So when you do hit him, 
you know, or you bump him or you, you, you just brush him, he's going to react in a way that, that makes it look like a foul, like the play with Barrett. I mean, Barrett really didn't do anything, but, you know, Barrett's bigger and he's stronger and Young kind of bounced off him and he, he just drew that foul. Or, or you'll see Young, you know, stop short when the defender's behind him and, and the guy will run him over. And I mean, uh-huh. it's a foul. It's annoying, but it's a foul. It's it's really a pain in the ass to deal with, but um, you know it's. I mean, if if Randall doesn't play weather or play better, they're gonna lose, and it's just the way it is. And I mean, listen, I'm I'm thrilled that they're in the playoffs, and I want them to win, but I also want the expectations to be realistic. This is not a championship caliber team. There's a lot of holes in it, and the fact is that a lot of these guys they overachieved. Burks, uh, Bullock, not good. Uh, well. These guys are on 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 cheap contracts. Yeah, minimum. They, these these are these are uh, prove it type contracts. They're not going to resign for the same amount of money because someone else is going to say, "Hey, if we can get that production from this guy, he's he's worth more than five million. We'll give him twelve, and he can come in and, and like Burks. Burks has played really well as as a guy who plays twenty minutes a game that can hit three pointers that can actually do a little." Um, point guard duty and and it's not a bad defender you know he's not a star player but he's probably worth more than like the three or four million dollars he's getting this year so it's it's that's the other issue you have are you going to overpay for those guys well you know you gotta i'm always a little wary with the knicks because they've you know managed to screw everything up literally for four years they're actually not that different than horse racing well the celtics got in that situation um prior to the big three showing up there and those moves that were made, they were paying a lot of second tier guys, big money and they just couldn't win. You know, they had a bunch of Marcus smarts (laughs) and that's not going to win you any games. No, you can, you can get away with one Marcus smart. Not correct. Barely. Right. (laughs) But they had a guy. That you know that that's the problem you know I, I fear with the Knicks is that you know and the, and the one thing about Thibodeau is that he, he's he, he's not a let's play for the future guy he's, he's no he's not developing game. talent he, he was he wants to win preseason games you know <laughs> like he's not that's just his personality and, and listen it, the team <clears throat> rallied around it but I think people forget that that a lot of these guys were brought in for you know on real bargain contracts and to fill the roster especially the guys when they get into their you know late 20s early 30s they may not have a lot of years left and they need to to, to make as much money as they can make you know i mean i know one thing the lakers would love to have burks right know, now hell yeah a bunch of bricklayers they got out there boy um but you know i, I it's just uh you know i mean like i said the Knicks. I'm happy. I still think that they can beat Atlanta. They beat them all season. Um, honestly, no one from Atlanta. I mean, uh, Bogdanovich hit a couple clutch threes. Um, man, that guy can. It's amazing how quickly he gets it off. His his touches his hand. hand gone. It's like man, it is. It's like there's there's just that. And and honestly, it was a play where Barrett. Uh, and him were going for the ball out by the extended, uh, but the three-point line, um, you know, foul and extended, and and Bogdanovich got it just a split second before, 
and before Barrett could even react, he, he launched a three and it went in. I mean, I, if Barrett gets that ball, it's a, it's a different game. The game changes. And, so, I mean, I, I was watching the Heat uh, play earlier. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> that game was over after one. They were getting blown out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they lived up to their name, the Heat, because they must have been out in the sun all day. I don't know. Jimmy Butler's have you know, all you hear down here is Jimmy Butler's unhappy. Jimmy Butler's unhappy. Jimmy Butler's unhappy. When Jimmy Butler's unhappy, he doesn't play well. And and that team needs him to play well. Oh, absolutely. Without him, you know, he's last year proved that. You know, he's the straw that stirs that drink. I think they're dead. They, yeah, well, yeah, also they never got hasn't on played track. all all year. They they has been horrible. Got the team never got on track. They just never – this year they never really played. Well, I think a, a the bubble where... did them a lot of good last year, like a lot. And that's how they were able to make that run. This year, well, it's it just gross. It, I mean, I can't believe they even made the playoffs. <laughs> you know, one of the things that people discount too about the NBA it's, is that – the coaching, they, they find holes, right? But as quick as they find the holes, they figure out ways to stop them. And, I mean, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson last year, they didn't, you know, the Hero was a rookie. Robinson was kind of a, a revelation. They didn't have much to, to go on, you know? Pitbulls off the leash is how I call had, it. Right. They hadn't figured that out, out how, to, how to slow them down, how to stop them. And and that's you know this year they they played them differently and they didn't adjust because Miami never number one they never had, were healthy the whole year but they just never got going. Well, one of my one of the things my father used to always tell me, and the, he basically kind of um, was under the wing of a Hall of Fame coach, a uh, guy by the name of John McClendon. Yeah, of course. And you know my father learned under him. And he used to always tell my father, and my father used to tell me, he said, when you're coaching, you don't have to do all the yelling and the screaming because the guy on the other side of the bench, on the other team, is going to tell you what to do. Whether it's a substitution, adjustment here and there, point, counterpoint. And he's like, that's all it is. <laughs> and, and when you figure those things out, it's it's so much easier to coach, and if you have the players to match, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard because, and that's that's what really shows you the truly great players are the guys that you can't you can't stop, you can't, you can't hard them. like Harden, you, know, you can't stop them, like Harden, like Lillard, like uh, like Steph Curry, like LeBron, like like the, you, you can just like those guys. You just can't there, – there's no game plan that works. Like, I tell the people, oh, they don't play defense in the NBA. I said, guy shooting 35 feet. <laughs> How do you stop, stop that? that guy? How, what can you do? You know? And that, that's the thing is, is um, you know, like last night in the Lakers game, the, the Lakers basically said, we're not going to let Booker beat us. And but CP3, they, they kept double teaming him. But in the end, Aiton hurt Book, them. Book, Booker figured out, you know, where the open spots were. And, and he kept 
you know, the, his teammates kept getting open shots at the foul line. And, and NBA guys are going to make those shots. And they did. And, and L.A. could never keep catch up because they figured, you know, pick your poison. We're not going to let Booker go off and beat us. And, and you know, and Paul played with a, I, I don't know. Stinger. Yeah. So um, he wasn't as effective as he usually is. But, but <clears throat> even so, you know, Booker is a great player and he made the adjustment. He saw the double coming. And the coaching staff, Monty Williams, is a, is a really good coach, and and all they kept doing was running a guy to the foul line, which seems like simple, simple, but L.A. never figured out how to how to respond because they wouldn't, they couldn't leave um, the one uh, the guy who jumps really good <laughs> for Phoenix that, that shoots the threes. You, you can't leave him alone in the corner. If his man goes to double, then you're giving him an open three pointer from the corner, which is the easiest shot to make. Uh, Aiton did, you know, dominated inside. It just is, um, you know, Colin Collinhurd said that uh, Phoenix was dead, that uh, L.A. would definitely come back, which makes me want to just go, like, bet all the money I got on Phoenix. Oh, he's right. They're going to come back. I mean, but, you know, Anthony Davis did not show up. He didn't play defense. He didn't play offense. He didn't do anything. (laughs) I don't know what where he was. He was out in left field. Listen, he's a great player. But he has those moments where he, he, he gets, gets lost. Games where he just doesn't seem like he's lost. Right. He, he, it's, it's, right. It's like he's like, uh, like he doesn't know what to do. You know, like it's the first time he played with this team. He didn't know the system or something. Uh, it seems like he just doesn't um, no, and, like and, He don't doubt. And it, I, and yeah, like he just was. Like he's just running up and down the court doing nothing. Right. <laughs> I, I my buddy's like that too, and that's I, I get on him. You know, if I ever talk to him, is uh, Noah. When you're out there, you got to do something. <laughs> you can't just be running up and down the court. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't like LA though. I think they're I, I think they're dead meat. No, they they they. Got, I, I, you, know, you, know, tough, you know, you know, I really matchup. don't like them because Vogel's not playing LeBron forty four to five minutes a game. He's gonna. He's, he's, he's just not going to do it. I don't think he's healthy enough. I don't know. I, I think, I think he can he, carry the team. I have to. I, I just think if he doesn't score 45 points, I think they're dead. Because unless they get these – I mean, like Kuzma. Kuzma's terrible. He was Dink. terrible. Uh, Caldwell Pope. Uh, oh, man. And, you know uh, how I feel about him. The White Mamba, the only thing he did was draw fouls, man. For a while, he drew, he drew like four charges in like two minutes. It was kind of the most wild thing. He was just throwing his body all over there. But he, Booker he, made, he made one shot, and that was it. And Booker owns him. Yeah, he can't guard him. And and Schroeder just uh, – he just you know, He's Schroeder, another one that gets lost. Schroeder's just Schroeder. I mean, He's Schroeder like, has always been better as a sixth man. Yes. And by and the it, way, Lou, Lou Williams was like – Gold. It was it was such a Lou Williams performance. Love Lou. That's my man's. The guy's like seventy years old. He is. He's older than me for sure. <laughs> just, just comes out there and it, he just makes two or three shots. So you just shake your head and it's like. Man. And the scary thing was he he literally wasn't even going to report that line. He was so upset that uh, he got traded to Atlanta. Though I guess he forgot about the the, the lemon pepper wings. Strip club. He didn't forget, but it, it, I mean, right now, it looks like the the Hawks might go further in the playoffs than the Clippers. Damn right they are. You know, a guy Dave uh, Gut- 
Yeah, Dave Gufford, my man. Yeah, he, he was talking today about the lottery and about the, the you know the draft of 2018, and um, you know where the Knicks totally screwed up and they could have had Michael Porter, but no, they drafted Kevin Knox. Um, but even uh, you know Shay Alexander was drafted, uh, I think 11th, and the Clippers had a chance to to grab Porter, and they took Jerome Robinson instead. They could have got. Um, Shay Alexander and Michael Porter, and Michael Porter, wow. and, and, and and without even being in, in the top ten of the of the, and uh, you know his, his point was like how the draft can change the course of a team's trajectory um, yeah, a, a lot. <laughs> um, and and I know he was complaining about the Bulls because I think he's a Bulls guy. Yo, he's definitely a Bulls fan. That would die hard. The Wendell Carter thing didn't really work out very well, but um. <laughs> But you know, I said, "Hey, listen. Even not even past that, or you see, not not only just just the draft, the fact that they traded Alexandra to the um, uh, for Paul George and gave up everything. Everything they signed Paul George's ungodly contract. I said, if the Clippers flame out in the first round here, what are they going to do? They can't just keep running it back and getting further and further away. And you know." Kawhi's Kawhi's an old twenty nine years old. I mean, his knees are. Kawhi's not going to be playing when he's thirty five. I, I don't see that happening. I think Kawhi. <laughs> it doesn't look years. like. It. And then the dude just posterizes somebody, and you're like, "Well, maybe not." But he he's you know I, I, he's got those opt outs, and I mean the Clippers can't just keep running it back, and that, they gave up all their draft picks for like forever. And I mean, Alexander's turning into what looks like and their coach, a potential All Pro, you know, player. And um, I mean, it's like so many decisions that, that are made that just. Uh, yeah, I do. I told you about Paul George, man. Playoff P. Oh, dude. They give up everything. Pick swaps. Five first round. I mean, it's crazy. They don't have a they have first rounder to like their own to like 2028 or something. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like 10 years. Because <laughs> not only did you know did they give up the draft picks, they give up the freaking they did the pick swaps too. Which if the Clippers, you know, stink uh at some point it's gonna help somebody else. Yeah, because Oklahoma City could get good in a hurry. I mean, the NBA these days, two years, uh, you know, look at Phoenix. Look at the Knicks. I mean, it's not hard to turn it around. I mean, I shouldn't say it's not hard. It's hard, but it's possible, I should say. I mean, look at Houston. They were in the Western Conference Finals like two out of the last four years, right? And they were always a second-round team. Now they're dead. Now they're DOA. And they, they don't have much for draft picks either. They gave away a bunch of stuff. So it's uh, it's interesting though. This year is an interesting year because it's hard to really say that any one team. Uh, I know people try to promote the Nets as the favorite, but Sixers, baby. It, it's every team's every team is flawed. Every team is flawed, and you could definitely make a case that uh, you know, nobody is is really the prohibitive favorite to win this. 
I think there's a game on now. I think Portland Denver's half that probably at halftime. I watch I love Damon Lillard. I really love watching that guy play. Yeah, he's a beast. Can't stop him. No, he's he's just tough. And of course the Joker. <laughs> Can't stop him either. <laughs> he give you all kinds of business cards out there. It's so funny because, like, he's even now he's like the last guy in the world you, you look at. I mean, other than he's it's so years, awkward, you know, <laughs> right? Guy can ball out, man. He's good. I mean, the passes he makes, and and now he's a you know he's he's like a dead eye shooter too. Money. Fifteenth pick in the draft. I think him and Greek Freak were both the fifteenth pick. So it shows that you know it, it's not easy to find, but. It can happen where you can you don't have to pick first or second or third. Um, it's kind of weird, you know, like not weird, but you know, you see all this stuff going on with these high schools. Now I, I saw like <clears throat> the biggest high schools are forming their own league now, and all these guys are going to these different leagues. And like high school basketball is just like it's gonna get weird, dude. It's like cratered. I mean, it's 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 gone. It's 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 weird. It's like. Um, the elite at the you know the top top guys, uh, there's different ways of of doing this nowadays, and they're all taking advantage of it. The you know they should adopt, you know, like a um, like a system like they do overseas. You know where, like for instance, I'll just use Orlando. Like they have the Magic, the the NBA team, and then they have all the little club teams underneath, and the kids go up from. You know, from the time they're like seven or eight all the way through up to the big club and just have the things work that way. It seems like it's kind of going that route, but there's also the, that faction that wants another whole league where, you know, kind of cutting out the whole college experience <clears throat> so they can get paid and then prep for NBA type stuff. But who knows? There's so many things that could happen. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the, the, the G League is probably a better way to go for a lot of guys. It should be. And but... it's going to prepare you better to be a pro basketball player than it would be to go to a college where your, your practice is limited, your contact is limited. There's a lot of you know, and coaches are still paid to win games. They're not paid to to um, uh, develop you. They're paid to win. So they're going to play the best players at the best. You know, at the most opportune times because that's what they're paid to do. Or they'll go that route, like uh, Lon, uh, Lonzo's brother. What's his right. name? Right, right, where they'll go overseas. But that's tougher. Yeah, it's a lot tougher because I mean, number one, you're a young kid and you're going to a foreign country. Um, but I mean, the good players are good players, and but it, it is kind of weird how like it's just morphed into this, you know, three or four different leagues trying to get these kids to play. Um, you know, the the G League at night, and it's because everybody's worn out on NCAA. It's it's no longer yeah yeah, and, and this is gonna be a, a factor. I mean, I mean, let's face it. In the end, the NCAA tournament is about people 
people are cheering for laundry more than players, you know? <laughs> they're, they're, cheering, they're cheering for the uniforms. They, they don't even know most of the players. Most people watching the NCAA tournament don't know most, most of the players, <laughs> including me, <laughs> you know? To be honest, no, I watch, I watch college, college basketball anymore. And, uh, you know, some of it, you read some about some of it, and it, it's interesting to see some of the guys that, like, you hadn't paid that much attention to. But uh, it seems like a lot of the best guys and the most talented players are not going to be playing NCAA basketball. Uh, there was a guy today, an unnamed coach, Fran Fracillis, said that the coach, and this was supposedly from a quote-unquote top 40 program, college program, they weren't going to recruit high school kids anymore for the most part. They were just going to, they were just going to look to get transfers. Jucos, yeah. The transfer portal and, and you know, where that guys can enter the portal and be immediately eligible to play somewhere else. Um, you know, and there's, there's a ton of guys in it and, you know, guys go to a place and they expect to play. And even if they don't deserve to play, <laughs> if they don't practice or they, they not playing well, or they're not the best person to position, you know, they're going to go somewhere. And as soon as they don't like it, they're going to transfer. And honestly, I don't see why they shouldn't be able to. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I always found that a little bizarre that it was so restrictive. A coach who's got a six-year contract <clears throat> at a school can get out of that contract and, and, and immediately go coach somewhere else, literally taking over the job the next day, and everything's fine. Nobody misses a beat. <laughs> a player who commits to a coach and, and, and a program, and if everyone forgets, too, is that until these, these were one-year scholarships. It was a series of one-year scholarships. They yep. could just not, re, you know, renew your scholarship and you'd be out if they didn't like the way you played or whatever. So, like, to say that the college athlete has to be, um, you know, has to get penalized for wanting to transfer, yet the coach can, can leave at any time. I mean, that never really sat well with me. But, you know, they didn't want to pay anybody. They didn't want to. <laughs> that the, they didn't want that Arizona money. Even despite all the money, we still didn't get to the Final Four. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna cheat, you might as well be successful, right? right? Go, go all out, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna pay the players at least make the Final Four. You know, at least give give the poor alumni something to to, to watch. Yeah, well, it, it it's got to be a little bit frustrating to see Aiden playing too. <laughs> In Phoenix, yeah. one year, one year. Well, he he played good with his <laughs> They just never. They didn't have. The, they didn't have the money. Yeah, Sean Miller. <laughs> Sean Miller was a great coach when they played <laughs> Northern Arizona. Weak sisters like Utah. He lost. He lost Nico on one and done. Yeah. I don't know if Nico's any good. I don't think he is, but that's just my opinion. Well, he did get a he, listen. He was a first round pick, so we got a guaranteed contract. So. Unbelievable! Don't make more money than everybody who graduates with that four year degree from Arizona. Absolutely. Couple years. Probably this year. Graduate <laughs> from a college nowadays, you might you might get a job making thirty thousand dollars a year. Woo! If you're lucky. Well, Mr. Spears, 
been real. As always. We apologize to anyone we insulted today. Um, I'm gonna make the 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 tour tomorrow on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry. Not really, but you know, trying to be politically correct. Treat people like they should be treated. That's right. I'm going to go watch the end of the Nuggets Portland game, and uh, we got the Big Monday show. The Big Monday. This is the Big Monday show. It is the Big Monday show. The, the Going Circles live tomorrow. Okay. Okay. I don't think we currently have a guest for tomorrow. <clears throat> yeah. So I do recall somewhere sometime I thought I did line a guest up for tomorrow. I just currently cannot think of it. <laughs> Stay tuned. They'll be on tomorrow. Don't worry. So about if you're listening and you got this far in the show, and you're supposed to be on tomorrow and you listen before like noon, I mean, I'll give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> I got it written down somewhere. Oh, shout out to Beamy. Oh, Beamy. Beamy. Almost forgot about that. I mean, uh, I talked to him, but yeah, shout out to the Beamer. Hey, listen, man, he's a good replacement for Mr. Gunder. No one can fill those shoes, but Mr. Beam will be, uh, he'll be able to carve out his own path as the new Tampa Bay down <clears throat> announcer. Now I'm forced to go out there again. Exactly. Now, now take him, take him, take him to the real seafood spots but i don't know if he's a seafood guy i know he might he's a salmon guy for sure you know north oh that's right they live on salmon i think it's like illegal to like say anything bad about salmon (laughs) from oregon or washington it's like literally not allowed salmon is their life but uh, no that was great it was it was that was one thing that brings racing Twitter <laughs> together is the great Jason Bean. Everybody's always rooting for him. Expect some more videos to come out. I hope so. That'd be cool. Some gators involved. You know, got a lot going on over there on the West Coast of Florida. Yeah. Got to bring that cowboy hat. No, you can leave that. Leave that where that. Leave that at Grant's Pass. Uh, yeah, it was that was that was a big no Hawaiian shirt. That was that was the big news of the week. That was really no. Uh, that was that was great. That uh, I think it was a great choice, and it was it was really uh, it's really cool to see. Yes, indeed. We have two pretty good announcers in the state. I guess uh, the fields for the undercard at the Belmont, the, the, the nominations are out. Um, I saw that today. I didn't get a chance to really go through them. I still don't understand why in the hell does Penine Ridge have a great <laughs> after him. Why? I don't why? know. Why would you name a horse or a race after a horse that couldn't win your race? That you named him after. <clears throat> 
one of the it's honestly it's one of the mysteries of of racing and why Pennine Ridge has persisted as having a graded stake race in New York named after him. He wasn't that good. <laughs> Literally, he was like he was like the hundred and seventy fourth best t- turf horse to race in New York. And that might be high. I mean, honestly, he might he might be lower than that. But uh, you know, the Belmont card is always going to be a, a strong card of racing. The Woody Stevens is always a good race. The Met Mile, we're not going to see the uh, probably the uh, best rendition of the Met Mile simply because there's not that many good older horses. But no charlatan, boo! No charlatan, charlatan suddenly is. Uh, re-injured, whatever. He, he's not. Uh, he's not in training, so the double whammy. <laughs> we don't know what his trainer wouldn't have been allowed to race him anyway. So that was kind of a question that no one seemed to have had an answer for. Was if Charlton's trainers transferred him to someone else, would he be allowed to? You know, like what would be the the procedure? For a transfer of, of uh, trainer outside of Mr. Baffert's barn, and, and still still allow the horse to compete in New York, and you know, would the horse be allowed to just come for one race and then go back, or, or what they would do? But but Charlton getting hurt, he kind of uh, eliminated that. Now Nick's go is is now pointing for the Met Mile as opposed to the Steve Sexton Mile. Um. So, uh, yeah, there, there'll be some other, uh, the Acorn, I believe, just a couple turf races. and It'll be a good, it'll, it's always a strong, a strong, uh, strong card. And uh, the Belmont itself is kind of an eclectic group. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's very <laughs> It's funny, Ron Bauer was. Uh, Hot sauce last week. He was still rated uh, <laughs> the top three-year-old of the year as uh, nobody wants to ride in him. the rankings, but nobody wants to ride. Him. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of an interesting. Uh, it, it's an interesting dynamic for the race. That uh, guy who just won the stake on it couldn't wait to get off him, and I don't know. Maybe there was a commitment or something. I don't, you know. It's not always as easy as it seems with the jockey assignments. And someone has pointed out something about a jockey um, this weekend in a race. And he said something like, everybody thinks that this guy, you know, picked the other horse. He wasn't asked to ride that horse, the first horse back. He didn't have a choice. <laughs> he wasn't riding another. He rode him so bad last time. We were, you know, he wasn't getting the ride that one back. Yes, yeah, so sometimes that happens too. You think that they chose another one, but they didn't actually choose the other one. That was the other one was the only one they had because they got, uh, you know, someone wanted to make a change. But um, it should be interesting and in you know give us a little more to talk about, so I don't have to rail on the whole world. And <laughs> be Mister be be Mister Grumpy again, but uh, um, you know. Saratoga's not far away. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird that, like, like 
after the Belmont now, like Saratoga is not that far away. In the old days, like it seemed like Saratoga was still a million miles away because the yeah. Belmont was usually the first week in June and, and Saratoga didn't start till late July or August. So there was a long ways to go in that Belmont meet. But now, um, you know, Saratoga is only a month away after, after the Belmont scene or, you know, thereabouts. So, but uh, it'll be nice. It, it was nice to be at the at a track that had people, um, enthusiastic people, uh, and people were able to kind of. I mean, they weren't allowed to go to the paddock, which is weird, but you know they were able to go pretty much everywhere else, and uh-huh. uh, you know, no mask mandate there, so uh-huh. most people didn't uh-huh. have it on. Back to normal. It was actually kind of normal. Yeah, it was. It was very very normal. It was. A little melancholy because thinking, you know, like this might be the last time I ever get to this place. But, um, yeah, it's kind of kind of neat that we can actually go back to the races. Saratoga is uh, everything seems like it's trending where they're going to be allowed to have a, a pretty significant crowd. Might come down there when my parents come to visit. Come down to Gulfstream. Yeah. Well, of course, we can always. July. Sneak. It's gonna be in July. We might have to sneak them in, but you know we're good at that. That's okay. You know we got disguises, got mustaches and hats and <laughs> and gordo IDs. <laughs> I, I actually snuck in the Arlington both days. <clears throat> did not pay. Didn't pay the ten bucks. Did is not. Did not pay. No, they buy. They make you buy a ticket. Like some areas. You can't buy one ticket. You have to buy five tickets. What? It's just Churchill grinding it out. You know how they are. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird deal. You know. Horse racing fans of players, they'll always find a way around it. Always. (laughs) Just tell me you're a jockey. You're like, Brian, a few later. Just tuning up for Mammoth next week. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny though. They said, you know, sixteen jockeys committed to the ride. Can we have the names? No. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know them. That, that's why. They don't even know their names. It's yeah, like there's an Ortiz. Is he related to the Ortiz brothers? No. He's related to Big Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> He weighs 175. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. But you know what? I'm always saying, listen, man. Sometimes all these jockeys need is is a chance. It's a chance, yeah. You know, might get a superstar out of this. Yeah, that's that's all they need is is a is a chance to to uh, to uh, to show what they can do uh, without the whip. I'm telling you, the thing that's going to be the most contentious about this whole whip thing. And this is where the anti, the people who are, oh, it's not the are gonna are gonna find they're one hundred percent wrong, is the stewards. How are they going to determine what is safety usage of a whip and what is encouragement use of the whip? Um, a jock on Facebook today said uh, a, a jock is not currently riding. 
I would just let my horses drift, and as soon as they drift, I'd whack them a couple times, and I, that'd be a big advantage. And he's not wrong. Yeah, you no, know, you know, just pure human nature. They're gonna figure out ways around this as much as they can by doing certain things or not doing certain things. And it's it's. Uh... I can just see the first couple of races, the first day. I, I, I just don't know if it's going to be like, it's not going to be like anarchy, right? No. Uh, it's not going to be like people aren't going to be running on the track. It's not going to be horses going over the rail. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be that. But it's going to be similar to what we first saw in California where yeah. it, just, it just looked different. And this is even more stringent. You know, this is zero. Zero. Yeah, it's gonna be wave, weird. You know, are you allowed to wave the whip at him? I mean, can you? I mean, what? Like, what can they do? And and that's the thing is, I I don't even know that they know. I don't even know that they know. So, um, so that'll that'll kind of be the the real question is, um, how, how is this going to be enforced? And I'm telling you, I, I, I'm not, I've never been a jockey in my life, but. Just doing other things, other sports, other activities. You know, your muscle memory, when you do something for a long time, is there. So that, you know, a jock, uh, when the horse, you know, whatever they're doing, whatever they're used to doing, where they normally might tap the horse on the shoulder or, or you know, not. Yesterday, actually. Just, just whip them, but, the like, you know, just... Uh, You know, just from riding from years and years and years, uh, this is what you always done. This is how you rode, and and to like have to think about it. I think that there's going to be occasions where guys just do it, not not even because it's just a natural reaction. Maybe the horse starts to drift. Maybe the horse starts to slow down. Maybe the horse starts to pull them up. You know, they're just going to do it, and and um, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. Yes, indeed. But uh, I feel pretty safe saying no, no jockey's going to get in trouble by the race commission for telling other jockeys not to ride there. <laughs> well, you have a good week. I tell my, my homegirl, Breezy, keep on keeping on. Oh, she's excited. School's out. Oh, man. School's out for summer. Well, no. She's got another week. but uh, Getting there. Yeah. She'll be making you take some trips. So. Yeah, we're going to be down there. All right. Well, as always, appreciate your input. Sorry for my negativity today. but uh, uh, You just got to get it off your chest, man. I get it. Yep. This is the truth. All right. Well, thanks for everyone for listening, and uh, you're a trooper if you made it this far. But yeah, tomorrow going in circles live, guest to be announced. From uh, from our hearts to yours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to tonight's edition of the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. My Co-host Mr. Barry Spears will be with us just a few minutes. 
There was no huge controversy this week in racing, which has kind of been a tradition the last month or so. But um, there's certainly some uh, issues that are coming up. Uh, Mammoth, no whips. Mr. Baffert had a horse die. The CHRB made an announcement. Not really sure why. Uh, racetracks continue to treat their customers like they're stupid. Um, you know, the usual, but uh, we'll talk about it. I'm not in a great mood, so a lot of people might get flamed today. They'll probably hate me tomorrow, but eh, I don't care. We'll be back with Mr. Spears.